now beginning transmission 106. Batman, War Games, Act 3, File Under, War Games. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Tenders ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。ライブ。
Brian putting up with all of our shenanigans. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Shenanigans. <laughs> this is good. The joke was over 20 minutes ago. Uh, but no, it's a lot of fun. And if you if you happen to be part of the LGBT community and would like to... Hi, LGBT community. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> I'm going to whip it out and mushroom stamp your forehead. <laughs> I know. That's why I said I was going to do it. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. We talk about just LGBT cinema throughout the years. We've done some uh, some serious stuff, some funny stuff, campy stuff, and it's dirty as hell. Like I was at actually at work the other day, taking the deposit to the bank, and I have a, a teller there, and she loves the hell out of me. She's like, mm-hmm. she'll open a, a a register for me just to come drop stuff off and talk to me. And she asked what I did. I was like, oh, I recorded my podcast. She's like, oh, which ones? I'm like, well, there's this one. We talk about comic books. And uh-huh. then my other one. She's like, oh, what do they call? I want to listen to them. I'm like. I'm a really horrible person. I'm really sweet and nice to you. See, when you said you took a deposit to the bank, I thought that yeah. meant something completely different. Well, yeah. that's right. I, I went to the bank with a new gay bar that you were at. No, the... I, I had been saving one for a day or two, you know. Gotta... That's good. When I hear he doesn't like mushroom welts, all I could think of is hood is good. Hood is good. Ew. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, I'm not, it's not, I'm not gay because I like man. I'm gay because I don't get enough protein in my diet. You have to let it sit there for a while and like osmosis, like, you know. Absorb. You know, they do say the uh, chemicals inside sperm do help with the mood altering. You know, I would be the happiest motherfucker on earth if I was the case. Have you met me? Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun to come check us out and uh, enough shameless self-promotion. Also, up always for shameless self-promotion, if he won't be shamelessly self-promoting, then I will promote him. It is the lovely and talented... Oh, hi, Maya. Oh, hi, me. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I'm Jeremiah. You can catch me if you're in Salt Lake City at Dr. Volt's Comics. Uh, and if I'm not there, you should still go. Uh, 2043 East, 3300 South. Open seven days a week. We're awesome. Twitter, at Mr. Maya. Instagram, the Mr. Maya. That's all I got. All you got? That's the only Twitter nice. you got? Yeah. How did the Dr. Volt's sale go last week? It went pretty good. Good. Yeah, he sold some stuff to an asshole in California who sent yeah. him payments via PayPal. And I, you're still using PayPal. <laughs> That's how I send Maya money for him to send me comics. That's how it goes. This asshole showed up there and bought a bunch of shit again, too. Yeah. This asshole is working. Yes. It was a bad enough problem I get there. And you've got Dave there going, oh, should I set all these books to the side so you can just keep on shopping? And I just go, like, <laughs> like, shit, I'm quite the mark. <laughs> no, I think I better go. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mark. Yeah, I, I know. My, I walk into my comic shop and they go, oh, okay, what book can't we pass? Let's uh, let's sell let's this. Let's see what like, we can go. I bet we can push this book on him. No, yes. Normally, they're actually pretty good about giving me weird recommendations, but they also know that I'm always down to try something different and new. So, like, they will mm-hmm. sometimes pull, like, it's, I've not had a bad recommendation from them, but they will sometimes pull weirder stuff that doesn't necessarily. So, like, there's one of the books that was on your sale, I saw Maya, uh, The Weird World. Did uh, you read it? Yeah, it was one of the Secret Wars spinoffs. Yeah, I actually read that book. It's actually not bad. It's weird. And it's in a world. No, it's, it's uh, in a world. Where things in a are world. Where things are weird. No, it's just one of those things where it's, it's sort of a sword and sorcery thing, which is not normally my gig. Like, it's sort of a Conan the Barbarian in this planet that doesn't quite make sense and if you walk off the edge of it you can fall into the you know into the atmosphere and I don't know it's 
it's, it's bizarre, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it looks like they're not doing any more. I'm suspecting. What? No, no, no. Yeah, it, it ended. No, no it, one bought it. Yeah. No one bought it. Yeah. I can understand why no one did. I actually kind of liked it. I would have kind of liked to see where it goes, but I understand why no one bought it. But, um, and hey, I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer based in Southern California. Uh, I am designing four shows for Lurk this summer. And as of right now, it looks like I might be doing something out here in California in uh, October, aside from my normal day job where I am in the middle of rehearsals for another big project that opens next week. And then I'll get my life back. Oh, thank God. And then maybe I can reading down my to be read pile. Because I just got my new schedule and uh, I, I'm back to having ships where I can, you know, edit this podcast on company time. Uh, thank you, Facebook Corporation, for paying for this podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> in kind. <laughs> in kind. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, I, I never, I'm not going to say it, everyone. I don't want to give any hints, but. Okay, give any hints as to where the secret evil lair in which I, I work. I would just say that I've, I've, this Facebook corporation has gotten a lot of my money, so I think I've helped pay for a lot of this podcast. <laughs> they, they, they've gotten a lot of people's money. Whether you know it or not, you have attributed to paying for this podcast more than Bang likely. Bang bus? Yep. Actually, it's casting couch. <laughs> it's true. I have to clean that leather couch every week. I like, I like fake agent. Fake agent? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. Oh, I've never heard couch. of it. Y'all weird straight people in your weird porn. Oh, one day the weird we ones? might show you. Oh, you're the weird ones. We just walk up and say, "Hey, you want to fuck?" And then, then here's two hundred bucks. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> Do I? And this is why me and my would be the worst gays. Because <laughs> right <laughs> here. Wow. As long, as, right now? as long as you say no homo, it's fine. We've all heard the Lonely Island song. No, no, I've, I've heard it's only gay if your balls touch. Thinking <laughs> <laughs> back. Now. I have done a lot of gay shit where balls did not touch, so I would just, I would say no. You're incorrect. We learn new things every day. I almost had a question there, and I'm afraid to ask. You can ask away. I, I reserve the, the right not to answer if I don't want what's to. What's the gayest thing that you've done? Well, I think it was the cum dumpster fire thing was the probably the gayest okay. thing I've ever done. And I, I think we'll just let our audience. Uh, it's obvious what I'm talking about, so let's just yeah, we'll go forward. We made a musical well, about it. So we did make a musical. It's opening off, 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 off Broadway, which means it's almost in Salt Lake. It's kind of in Nebraska. I thought it was opening in you. Oh, that's already happened, sweetheart. I did a show that was technically on the street of Broadway, but it was definitely not on Broadway. It was like a tiny little, uh, tiny little theater in New York, and we had an actress who, I shit you not, her name was literally fucking Tella Story. That was her fucking name. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, was trying too uh, hard. Yeah, it was, oh my god. Anyway, so yeah, I normally hey. have like a smart ass comment or a comeback. Uh huh. I'm out. You yeah, that's, I'm in. That's why I'm on the pill, so. Moving forward. Uh, yes. <laughs> sometimes these cats get harder and harder to herd. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> and we all know how much I love pussy, so. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of kitty cats, hi, Jonesy. It is. Hi, Jonesy. Cool. And so, oh, and Mr. Porg. Thank you, Mr. Porg. Mr. Porg's on prep, too. He is. God damn it, I need a drink. What's going to drink? I believe you have a little bit of tequila. No, no tequila. Fuck tequila. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game. And if not one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. 
Okay, so I'm calling my drinking game Switch, which is every time a member of the Bat family leaves one battle for another one, take a drink. Mr. Maya, what is your drinking game rule? My drinking game has two names, so you can pick which one you like. Okay. Uh, either Don't Worry, Be Happy, or Footloose and Fancy Free. Uh, anytime Black Mask is just strolling down the street, hands in his pockets, whistling a song while just death and destruction is going on around him. That's going to be Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> cool. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game rule? The one I'm looking at is, hey, Batman's a chick. That kind of looks like Batman. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Adam's brain done broke (laughs) so there's a whole sequence in here where Batgirl shows up and cleans and wipes the floor and scrubs it as well as she should as well as she should with the bad guys with the bad guys so as this whole thing goes down because Cassandra's my favorite you should be drinking heavily because then you're drunk afterwards so just drink heavily through that moment of the, the, the book. Yeah, drink heavily through that moment of that book, yes. Which is also reminiscent of a previous drinking game we had for this series where it was every time someone stops and just marvels at how good other like the bat people are, especially I think the women at beating people up when they go, wow, she's really good. Like It's almost like they had some sort of edict to be like, right in the bad guys marveling at how wonderful the girls are at kicking ass. Like it was, It's very bizarre. It happens a lot in this book. Um, and sunk this, it? I know, Editors right? at play. Yes. Yeah. Gee whiz, they sure can fight. Uh, golly, golly, gee willikers. Golly, gee willikers, as a villain, I'm real scared she's going to beat the shit out of me. Holy uh, woman kicking ass, Batman. Yes. <laughs> Does Batman know my secret? No, he wouldn't let me do this if he did. Shit, yeah. he's going to oh. find out my secret. Oh, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt. I just saw a, an awesome piece of news. Yes. Okay. Carl Bullets Ur- are back. Carl Urban has been cast in The Boys... Mm-hmm. As Billy Butcher. Oh, that's that a good casting. Awesome. On that's Amazon Prime. Oh, on Amazon Prime, really? Sorry, continue. I, I just know you guys are in The Boys. And- oh, yeah. The Boys oh, is yeah. great. I love The Boys. Yes, they are. <laughs> are they back in town yet? They're back in something. <sighs> Does your milkshake bring them all to the yard? Oh, my milkshake always brings them to the yard. <laughs> now, is your milkshake one of those you can actually drink with a straw? Or is it more like the ice cream one you get at Iceberg that's like ice cream, but they call it a milkshake, even though you have to eat it with a spoon. It really depends how much protein they've eaten. <laughs> yeah. Back to sperm jokes every time. <laughs> Mr. This Adam, what's your drinking game rule? Show. Uh, so, I know. <laughs> no, it's not. And, so, uh, actually, on a side note, I was talking to my mom the other day when I was debating with her about some very important life decisions regarding employment and everything else. Hi, Mom. Oh, hi, yes. Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> and uh, and she asked me, I was, you know, we're talking about stuff, and I mentioned, you know, I have these podcasts. She's like, oh, what are they? I'm like, you're not allowed to know. Because you will never be allowed to listen to them because you will disown me. And you love yep. me right now. So we, we we spent 37 years getting you to love me as your gay son married to a man. We're not going anywhere else with this. So, But my, my dream game is called uh, Screw It. Let's just kill them all. <laughs> so every time the cops uh, make mention that they have... Uh, the the right to shoot to kill, use real bullets, or the fact that the Bat family is pretty much just criminals themselves, take a drink. Well, so, um, I guess we don't really have to do necessarily votes, because we've already all voted that we're going through this whole epic together, holding hands gleefully, uh, like the Black Mask, marching down the street and, uh, you know, reading this book. So, uh, see, I guess we should probably, for those of you who, for some reason, have missed up until this point... 
Okay, we'll see if I can but you'll see if I can summarize everything up into this point fairly quickly. Tim Drake, who was Robin, had retired. Uh, his girlfriend, or at least some girl he was dating named Stephanie Brown. Yes. Yep. Stephanie Brown uh-huh. uh, had taken up the mantle of Robin temporarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't necessarily very good at it. Eventually, Batman fired her. While she was uh, Robin, she did get a chance to look at Batman's computer, and she found Batman had created a simulation uh, for what would happen if there was basically a giant gang war um, in uh, in a Gotham City and how he would try to handle it. So, of course, her taking this plan and her trying to win Batman over, she goes back to her previous secret identity, which was a character named as the Spoiler, and she decides to start this gang war herself. And all the mob bosses show up, except for one, which would be Matches Malone, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne himself. So what ends up happening when you get a, every mob boss in Gotham City together with one of their bodyguards? Well, they all shoot the shit out of each other and they start to die. There's a big power vacuum that is created and all of Gotham City is in a massive, massive uh, battle. Tim Drake eventually comes back to the fold after his high school is attacked by people and his other girl that he was sort of dating is... is she? Does she actually die? No. She's at least hospitalized. Hospitalized. She, okay. She's hospitalized. She's also the daughter of a mob boss. Um, that also forces Batman to come out in the open um, and reveal that he at least exists, whereas previously he had not been actually recognized. And that takes us up through book one. Then book two is more war. Uh, Batman realizes that this all seems very, very familiar. It takes him two fucking books to get to that point in time. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, oh, wait, this is my plan. So he decides to try to help uh, the police and tr- try to get all of the the mob bosses to go to uh, this park in uh, I think it's like Robinson Park or whatever on one side of Gotham. Um, part of his plan also is to use his uh, sidekick, a uh, guy named uh, I call him uh, or- Orpheus, or- but it's, Orpheus. yeah, it's Orpheus, but it's uh, Orpheus. Where? Orpheus. Uh, has actually been killed at this point in time by Black Mask, who also tortured Stephanie Brown, who revealed that Orpheus was the key to the entire plan. So Black Mask disguises himself as Orpheus and goes and meets up with Batman. So now Batman is working with the Black Mask, unbeknownst to him, because the Black Mask is disguised as Orpheus. And that is where we will begin book three. Does that sound fair? Sure. Yes. That's two or three trades worth of information summed up off the top of my fucking head. I'm a little proud of that. If we take this whole thing as one book, uh, or, you know, because we we did Watchmen, this is like the longest book we've read because okay. Watchmen was 12 yeah. episodes. Ish. 12 issues. Oh, no, this is way longer. Yeah, this is a, yeah. Like this, definitely. This week's reading we did was 13 issues. Was it really? Yeah. Uh huh. That's so weird because, I, you know, we all love Watchmen. We all gave uh-huh. it a really high grade. And, but this one didn't seem like it. I read through it like it was, I tore through it. And like it was. It's a lot of fight, 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 punch, punch, punch. Issues over. Fight, that, that's very really true. Punch, I mean, punch. You know, again, Watchmen is deeper, and that's kind of what we. Obviously, we we still, we, we said like we could probably spend a year uh-huh. diving into this book and spending forever talking about it. But uh, um, yeah, I, I had no clue. This just flew by. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you're saying we should have read 13 issues, I think I underread. I think I just read eight issues. Did you read War Crimes as well? No, I read War Games Act 3, and then there's Batman number 800 and Batman number 634. And then there's Batman Secret Files and Origins, like villains and Secret Files and Origins heroes, and then I think it's like 642. Isn't there like a Catwoman one thrown in as well? Mm-mm. No? Oh, wait. There was a Brubaker written issue. Gotcha. So you basically read up to all but the war crime stuff. Yep. So I haven't read that. 
So that's, that's all the epilogue stuff that I was talking about last week. Those are the five issues that we got that Todd didn't. Oh, okay. So, well, then, Mr. Maya, since me and Todd are on the same page on this, you're going to have to help summarize those yes. when we get to them. Uh, there's not much to talk about. <laughs> okay, well, so I'm not going to feel bad about missing it. So there you go. So there's 12 issues if you want to read, or you can read the eight issues that I did, and you'll be on the same page with me and Todd. Yeah. So those are your options. Um, I don't know what Adam read, uh, if anything at all. He might just be making this all up. I looked at the picture. Okay, cool. So anyway, so this is your opportunity to go and read the book for yourself. Um, we will take a little break. You can pause it if you haven't read it. If you have read it, just plowing through. Or if you have no intention of actually reading it and you just want to hear us spoil the shit out of it, we will start rambling on here just in a second. But we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Uh, welcome back. Hopefully you have read the book and or are prepared for us to start spoiling it. This is the warning. We're going to spoil this third book. Uh, and yeah, so here you go. Uh, so basically we, we start out with, um, we start with uh, all the villains gathered in the park um, with the black flag, uh, black flag, black mask, uh, ready to lead them all in uh, a big old rousing round of kumbaya and they're all going to go to camp together. Um, the police are waiting outside, as is the Bat family. The uh, Black Mask, dressed as Orpheus, or Orifice, as I prefer to refer to him uh-huh. as, uh, starts starts stepping out to uh, give his speech. Speech seems normal at first, and then all of a sudden goes awry. And then Batman realizes, oh shit, this is not the right guy. This is someone disguised as Orpheus. And all hell breaks loose. Batman tries to dive in to try to help fight it. Um, the Bat family stays out at Batman's orders for a certain amount of time until all of a sudden they can't do it anymore. And Oracle says, no, 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 you need to get in there, you need to get in there, you need to get in there. So they all go in there and they just try to fight and they try to fight. Black Mask escapes. He tells all of the villains to go to the other side of town. Um, at one point in time, hijack- oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Um, so all of the, uh, so they are jumping back in, trying to uh, uh, fight battles here and there, left and right, all over the place. Taking down a bad guy here, jumping over and taking bad bad guy down there. Fight, fight, fight. End of issue. Fight, fight, fight. End of issue. Uh, so ultimately, they start to notice that there's a pattern that all of the bad guys are headed towards uh, the other side of town. I believe they're heading towards the docks, if I remember correctly, or at least uh, actually they're heading towards the clock tower because someone tells Black Mask where the Bat Cave is or what they think is a Bat Cave. Who is it that says that? Does anybody remember off the top of their head? Uh, I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, Black Mask is convinced that he's walking into the Batcave. Did they ever uh, say the fact that he's aware of the- that. Well, maybe I missed I it, but like, I, he just kind of like, oh, hey, guess what? I know where this is. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. I don't remember anyone yeah. saying specifically that that was the Batcave. And maybe it was Stephanie Brown or whatever. I mean, he's wrong in the first place, but uh-huh. that's a totally different issue. But what. But what he does lead everyone to is a clock tower where Oracle is. So Oracle uses her defenses to take out lots of the gangsters and mob bosses as they're marching in. Also, side note, that the uh, Black Mask has taken hostage, so so to speak, a news reporter and his crew. And then once the uh, news guy sets his... um, camera automatically shoots the the camera guy so and then the newsman who's been kind of talking shit on batman this entire time sneaks off anyway uh so police are surrounded outside mobsters are marching in oracle is trying to call for help everyone is too busy fighting other things um stephanie brown is found by batman and taken to the hospital so he's trying to deal with her in the hospital very concerned um so now the bat family is en route to try to get to uh oracle as um 
she is being taken hostage uh, by Black Mask. Uh, eventually, she sets off a self-destruct. Um, Batman ends up coming in and helping get her out. Uh, that was her big ultimate plan at the end. Is the only way that she could, you know, survive was that Batman had to save her, and that basically ends him from actually killing the Black Mask because he's very close to killing him herself. Um, gets her out. Batman returns to the hospital, and Stephanie Brown, sad ending, dies in his arms with the "I was a good Robin, wasn't I? Let me be part of the history." Blah 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 blah. Like, it feels like she's yes, getting. Yes, you were. You yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, no. Who's a good Robin? I'm sorry. Like, it, it feels really like she got fridged like a motherfucker on this one, man. Like it's just like, oh hey, we have a female Robin for about twelve issues. Enjoy, bye. Now well, she's dead. So like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that her run as Robin was so short uh, because we had that one. Oh, I know, right? Uh, which it's, it was it the Red Hood animated DC movie under the Red Hood, uh, where she's a big part of it, where she is the Robin in that thing. Was she? I don't. Well, yeah. Terry Kelly was Robin in the Dark Knight. Return. No, 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 no. This no, it's an oh, animated, it's an animated movie under the Red Hood. I thought it was her. Let me look. I, I could be wrong. I just because she also has a stint as Batgirl. Spoiler, yeah. Spoiler is Stephanie Brown's had every job in the Bat family at some point. It seems. Oh, but she did. Including dead. Yeah, she did. She did. She as a doornail. And that's as far as I read. Yeah, she, was, she wasn't. Uh, in that. Okay. Uh, I think. Oh no. The only other thing that I, I read that adds on is so at the very end of it, you have the black mask, and he is there, and all the other mob bosses are coming to pay tribute. So he did accomplish what he wanted to do, which was to basically unify all the mob families. So now the black mask ends up being the big baddie at the end of the uh, of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go into whatever Maya read, because that's as far as I got. Yeah. So uh, the first epilogue issue is things are, are getting back to normal in Gotham. Uh, mm. Drugs are getting back on the streets. It picks up like 10, 10 days oh, or good. so after. Yeah. Oh, thank God. God. So, so Batman, so Batman is trying to figure out who's behind the drugs getting back on the streets. He ends up tracking. It's <laughs> He ends up tracking down uh, Mad Hatter, uh, who is working for Black Mask. And you find out that Killer Croc is under his control. Mad Hatter imp- implanted one of the chip, one of his mind control chips, into Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have a couple of hostages. They end up getting away, but Batman saves this kid that they were basically holding hostage. Uh, meanwhile, uh, he has an argument with Catwoman, just because he's his normal, unfeeling self, and she's trying to get him to feel emotion, and so she's mad at him. We have, earlier in this issue, we have uh, Barbara Gordon leaving town. So she said she's going to leave town. Um, she just needs to get away. Yeah. And well, and Jim does too. Yeah, and Commissioner Gordon is, is going with her. Former, or, or commissioner. former commissioner. Jim Gordon is going with her. Yeah. Um, Can I just say, though, the clock tower is Oracle's base of operations. That's pretty badass. Yeah. And it's not there anymore. That's why she's it's leaving. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next issue actually starts with uh, Nightwing. I love this. It's uh, Bruce sitting in a chair with like a glass of whiskey. And it says, I can count on one hand the times I've seen him drink. Uh, and he's drinking a 12-year-old bourbon. And see, I can count up to a 1,000 on one hand, yeah. so for me, that uh-huh. means nothing. Um, so this, <laughs> God this bless it, sign language. Yeah, this this issue of Batman is uh, just more of the Bat family kind of splintering. Uh, Robin says, you know, I was only Robin for a little bit. I'm, I'm going back. I promised my dad I'd stop being Robin again. Nightwing uh, going back to Bloodhaven. Uh, and then it's just Bruce ends up going to Stephanie's grave. Mm-hmm. And her mom's there, and she's like, "Why are you here?" Uh, and she's like, uh, "She died a hero." And then she's like, or then he, she's like, 
She wasn't a hero. She threw in with Batman. Batman got my daughter killed. Her father was a villain. I lost my my daughter to Batman. I lost my husband to Batman. Batman's bad. Uh, next one is just a between the two specials. It was a bunch of short stories. One is uh, basically Black Mask saying how he's taking over Gotham and how there's still a couple of pieces on the board he needs to wipe out. Hush is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is after the Red Hood now. Uh, Red Hood's going to be a problem. Uh, then we get into a Killer Croc story where Croc ends up like he's robbing a bank for Black Mask and he ends up scratching behind his ear and accidentally pulling out the, the implant. Mm-hmm. And then Batman just goes to the bank vault. The police are there. They open it up and all the guys that was with him that were Black Mask guys are just murdered inside the bank vault. And then Croc it's, it's, it's just him tracking down Croc. Croc, Croc unleashed what? Yeah. Oh, Killer Cock. Killer Cock. Uh, we get into a couple other short stories. Um, they're just kind of... God damn it. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you with a rusty fork. Uh, the others are just short stories. Like uh, One is about Commissioner Aikens. Uh, one is about Batgirl and Robin. Uh, just kind of hanging out. And that's about it. I'd say the the important ones were not the one uh, not the one with the short stories, but the other issues. Okay, first off, you telling me that this now irritates me just a little bit okay. because I felt like part of what happens in the story is Robin's dad comes to understand the importance of Robin being Robin. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden he's going to backtrack on that and say, "Hey, I don't want you to be Robin anymore." Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like flip flop and pick a fucking lane, dude. Like, what the hell? No, that was the agreement from the beginning, though. Yeah, but like the thing is, like he has these like heartfelt conversations sitting on the rooftop mm-hmm. where. You know, you get the point. You get the understanding that, like, his dad is like, I, I don't like you being at risk, but I understand the important things that you're doing. So you would think that it'd be like his dad had finally like come to the conclusion of like, oh, okay, I get why you're Robin. Well, his dad died, didn't he? I was gonna say that's and that that's from one of the ones that jumped ahead. It mentions that um, this is gonna be spoiler alert for another book, uh, Identity Crisis, mm-hmm. which happened. It was coming out about the same time as this, maybe within a couple, maybe within four or five months after this. Captain Boomerang kills Tim Drake's dad. I said he had cancer. Nope. Captain Boomerang throws a steel razor tip boomerang oh, right in his chest. Because no, because the the whole thing with this book was that because uh, Tim Drake quits being Robin and leaves. Mm-hmm. And again, I haven't read those books, but the, the understanding was they were like, it must be so hard for you because you lost your friend at school. And then your dad died of cancer like four weeks later. Did no, they, I read they, that wrong, or did yeah, I? Yeah, you read it wrong. It just oh. said, and then his dad died. Oh, I thought it said cancer. No. Like, I, I thought he was like uh, again. Maybe I just I, I thought I swore to God they said like oh he was like he visited him in the hospital. Oh, like, no. I, what did I read then? Like I swore I saw a scene, <laughs> no, a panel of him in the no, hospital no, with the, his dad. I have no idea. Well, his dad was working as an orderly in the hospital while the hell was breaking maybe loose. Was, well, he was definitely there because I I swore. Because ah, he was dating Stephanie, and that was yeah. Talk about a uh, Facebook status of it's oh. complicated. Oh, and that's that's another there. thing that happened in those issues. Batman didn't immediately tell him about Stephanie. Mm. Like if you remember when when they were telling him yeah. when they were telling Batman about it on the comms in mm-hmm. Act Three, he's like, "Oh wait, there's interference. Hang on a second. And he walked away from Robin because mm-hmm. um, he knew what they were going to tell him. Yeah, yeah. we didn't uh, call and, this also and, like and he, and he he told him he just gave it a little bit of time so it wouldn't hit him as hard like right in the moment. And also so he can keep on doing his job. Yeah. Yeah. We also have done a drinking game where every time Batman's a dick, 
We had that, that one last that can, week. But see, that, yeah. can, that can just be a standing drinking game for every Batman book. So if you want to go back and read this again. <laughs> the, yeah. more I, uh, the more I read Batman, the more I realize he's kind of a douchebag. <laughs> like, oh, no, he's a total douchebag. There's actually an article. I, I need to go back and read oh. it. I, I saw it pop up on uh, Facebook a couple times this week that they were talking about in uh, Batman v Superman and Justice League that in the movies, Bruce Wayne's portrayed as using sex as like a drug to... A, to just help escape mm-hmm. his torment as Batman. And I haven't read it yet, so it could be clickbait, so if mm-hmm. it is, fuck it, don't read it. But you can kind of see that, because Batman, as much as Bruce Wayne's expected to be a playboy and expected mm-hmm. to be this billionaire without a care kind of thing, he does kind of seem to keep on like going off on that tangent and like running with the fact that he, like he's a slut. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I my personal opinion, though, is I think that Batman is... Bruce Wayne's true identity and the normal face that he puts on for the public as Bruce Wayne is actually the costume. You know what I mean? Quote, unquote. Like, that's my psychological analysis of it from, you know, a year of college uh, psychology, you know, which I have a theory that everyone is a psychology student until they uh, figure out what the hell is wrong with them and then they go find something else to do. Sure. And then those who never figure out what's wrong with them become psychologists. So, there you go. Anyway, well, what are other people's thoughts on it? Because I'm obviously lost for words right now. What's interesting while going through this is... um the gang war is at its height. You've got Black Mask consolidating and doing it out. You have the Bat family exhausted and at wit's end, and it seems they're just pushed to their limit and beyond. And with this, you know, even our drinking game of Switch, it's you between Oracle's place being broken into and burned to the ground, you've got Batgirl just cleaning things up and Batman exhausted. And you also have Batgirl, who really is looking for Stephanie Brown. Catwoman is looking for Stephanie Brown. And Batman's like, leave it, I'll take care of it. And it's people that are trying to get a handle on the situation. And Batman's keeping those in the dark for as much as he can. And as you watch it, it's really a series of um, the family is at the ragged edge. Because you've got Nightwing that's come over from Bloodhaven helping out. And he's like... They don't know what I've been up to. If he knew, yeah, I'm out. He's still kind of in shock over murdering Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So, and he's like, Batman doesn't know. Because if he knew, he wouldn't be sending me out in his name. So, Batman doesn't know what I've been up to. Tim Drake says, I'm only here for the short term and everything else. So, it seems like the allies and everything is um, at its edge. And you still have Batman just trying to keep things uh, not on the down low, but he is. Um, Everything's very close to the best. Oh, hang on, I was wrong. I misread that. He did stay as Robin after that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, because that annoyed the shit out of me. I was really ill. I was like, yeah. "This is bullshit." What was the whole point of like getting his dad into the fold? Also, I'd like to point out that I think it's very unfortunate that Nightwing is the reason why I can no longer go rent uh, movies in a very blue building. Yeah, terrible joke. I thought I'd get at least a little bit of a snicker out of Adam, who actually works for Blockbuster. But Blockbuster, yeah, yeah I, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Guess what, kids? I just cut out a joke that fell flat on its face and you didn't hear it. <laughs> no, at all. leave it in. Own that shit. Leave it in. Everyone bombs. Hey, if we can, like, like the, the whole joke went in my last podcast was like about uh, Chris Martin Cochrane, like, we can let this in. So that's good. You know what I will say, though, we didn't talk about much? Scarecrow. What the fuck is up with Scarecrow? But yeah, he was going through a weird thing in the early 2000s where he had some sort of... I don't know what it was, but he... Uh, what is Scarecrow? He, like, beefed up into some sort yeah, of Yeah, this crazy thing. You've got Black Mask going, oh, it's a room full of lasers. I know I'll overload it by throwing Scarecrow at it. Well, that, like you do, you know. Like, like you do. And you're like, you're oh, Black Mask. 
Yeah, I was like, oh, he'll be burned in the burn unit for a while, but it's fine. He so, wears a mask. Do you think? Anywhere. Do you think it was like? Uh, and again, I have no clue. Like, I'm uh-huh. just throwing this out there as someone who's not read this series of books. Do you think maybe it was a a mixture of the scarecrow toxin with like the venom toxin? That's I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I don't remember. It could be, but then he bulks out and he's pissed off, and you're like, what the fuck is going on with scarecrow? But is, I mean, you're not talking venom as in Spider-Man venom, though, right? No, Bane's Venom. No, Bane's Venom. The venom that oh, Bane's Venom. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, so, okay. so someone in a in a story arc from 2004, which is shortly before this, uh-huh. uh, called As the Crow Fro- Flies, uh, Scarecrow is hired by Penguin under false pretenses, and then a some doctor secretly mutates Scarecrow into the murderous creature known as the Scare Beast, who Penguin uses to kill off his disloyal minions. So is this still the remnants of Scare Beast? Probably, yeah. Because the guy's weird, and he's just kind of like chilling. He's like a weird flunky hanging out with Black Mask, and then Mask is like, "Yeah, you're good for this." And now I've eliminated competition. Yeah. That actually, that, uh, that that plays into my drink. Does it go there? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've kind of like I, I'm a huge fan of the of Batman's Rogue Galleries. Mm-hmm. I think you know, Rogue's Gallery. You know, I did, I did uh, the Mister Freeze last time. I've done some drinking games around it. So I actually went with the the Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. For a drink, and it's it's not really scarecrow themed, so I'm not sure where it came from, but it sounds delicious. Uh, so what we do? This is a martini. So you want to take a, uh, a martini glass, fill it with ice and water, so it's chilled. Mm-hmm. While it's chilling, take a cocktail shaker, fill it with ice. You want to add one ounce of vodka, one half ounce of lemon vodka, one half ounce of orange liqueur, and one ounce of strawberry nectar. So that that Kern's nectar mm-hmm. you do. You shake the shit out of it, you dump the ice and water out of the martini glass, and then you strain it into the glass so it's nice and frosty and chilled. I'll drink to that. Nice. I like that. Uh, I actually, speaking of the Scarecrow, I at one point in time bought, like, there was a comic shop up in L.A. that would, uh, like, you could buy a black bag for, like, four bucks, and you didn't know what trades would be in it, but it'd be random trades, and I got one that was... uh, Batman and the Scarecrow, and it was like this collection of Batman and Scarecrow comics from like early Golden Era all the way up through modern stuff. And some of that Golden Era shit is ridiculously cheesy as hell. Like it's for a weird sort of like, I can't believe that this was actually what comic books used to be. Read, it's okay. But as also like reading it from a modern standpoint, you're like, what the fuck is going on with this? Comics code, kids. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, it was like. Like yeah, it was like he was like stealing people's picnic baskets or some shit. Like he was almost Yogi Bear. It was really weird. <laughs> Yogi Bear. That was the. I, I just remember there. I, I don't remember very well, but I remember there was a scene where like he's like literally at like a park and like trying to steal someone's picnic basket, and Batman and Robin come up and be like, no, 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 that's wrong, Scarecrow. Like it was really strange. Wow. Um, what else have I missed? Maya, maybe you can explain this to me. Mm-hmm. Do they start to go through the recovery effort of Gotham City after this? Um. Um, not not in those issues. Not really, no. No, it's a, like that's the thing I always I just still find so amazing is like this city gets destroyed all the time and people are like, Okay, we're just gonna rebuild oh. the like the dozers on uh on uh, Fraggle Rock, right? Like the, the the Fraggles go in and like just beat their shit up and they're just going, Oh, okay, I guess we have more to build. Like it's really bizarre. <laughs> no, this, this is nothing. Wait <laughs> wait wait till wait till at some point we do a whole month on no man's land. See, then, I, then we'll talk about Gotham being destroyed. Like, I even live outside of Los Angeles, and I'm still like, who the fuck would live in Gotham? Like, and I hate LA traffic, like with a passion. So, so, so the, no, this isn't the story we read. The the build up to No Man's Land is mm-hmm. a massive earthquake. 
basically destroys Gotham in, in the lead into it. It's called Cataclysm. Mm-hmm. And the recovery effort would be too great to pay for to fix Gotham. So the United States government blows up all the bridges going to Gotham and declares it a no man's land. Says, wow. oh, you're on your own. They're like, we're packing up, we're going home. Good luck, like, kids. They're like, anyone that wants to get out, you got to get out by this time. Anyone that stays behind, you're on your own. Fuck it. Goodbye, and thanks for all the fishes. Wow. But that's not the book we were talking about. No, that's this one right here. Didn't Greg Rucka architect that one? What's that? Greg Rucka architect, uh, he, No Man's Land. I don't know if he architect architected it. Yes. <laughs> but he did write a bunch of stuff for it. Uh-huh. Because it it was a like year to year and a half long story that went through all the bat books. This was just a three month story that went through all the bat books. This only took three months to go through everything. Well, the the war drums, uh-huh. not counting the war drums or war crimes, because those were before and after. But the actual okay. war Act game one, story two, was three. three months. Okay, so you're telling me that there are, there were eight books being published at the time in the Bat Family uh, for this story, yeah. But like eight books per month. Yep. Okay. Wow. It's a lot of bat. That is a lot of bat. Um, okay, well, it I didn't segue as well as I'd hoped to, so I'm just going to uh-huh. go into my cocktail. Segui! Uh, yeah, Segui. Uh, so my cocktail is A, partially based off of the mass destruction uh, that is uh, Gotham City in this book. It also is, uh, when I was in grad school, one of my one of our go-to drinks uh we had a group of uh, friends we would meet up every friday night at this one little bar and uh our go-to drink was a flaming sambuca shot so i've had one of those yeah they're fun uh so basically you take three ounces of uh, black sambuca what (laughs) i i don't want to know uh and three coffee beans you put the three coffee beans in a shot glass and you add the sambuca and you light the sambuca on fire and let it burn for 10 seconds or so uh, cover the glass with your hand to extinguish so you don't burn yourselves when you drink it, kids. Uh, you can inhale the fumes underneath your hand uh, to get a little extra whiff of uh, some alcohol. It, t- it smells really good. And then uh, drink the shot. Also, for those of you who've never had Sambuca, if you don't like black licorice, you ain't going to like Sambuca. I'm just going to put that out there. Nope. Uh, so, like, if you don't like Mike and Ike's, Sambuca nope. and Absinthe, not the flavors for you. <laughs> nope. That's just how it goes. <laughs> Does anybody else have stuff they want to discuss? I will say the one thing I liked about yeah. this book a lot uh, was it didn't have a happy ending. No. Sure. It was very bleak. Okay. Bo- both with, in multiple ways. Yeah, both with, with the Bat Family, with... The Bat Family. The Bat Family being disbanded, pretty much. Uh-huh. And, and Stephanie dying. And Stephanie and dying. And Black Mask consolidating all crime. And Black Mask getting what he wanted. And, uh... And I, I'm a huge fan of, of... Well, especially in my line of work with movies, I have unhappy endings. Mm-hmm. And so many times you see a movie and like it ends, and you're like, ah, it could have been this way. Like, oh, well, we tested it, and audiences didn't like that unhappy ending. Like, well, that's kind of how it should have happened. And with, with this, I was I was really glad to see that. There wasn't a bow, neat, nice, neat. There was no Deus Ex Machina moment where all of a sudden this happened, and boom, everything was nice and happy and fun. No, it was like... It ended fucked up and, and, and horrible. And on top of that, uh, the police have shoot to kill orders. And I'm going actually that was all I was going to do with too is that Batman has spent all this time finally after you know Gordon left from the being the commissioner, finally starting to get like the understanding, if not the begrudging respect of the police. Mm-hmm. And it's all just went to shit. And it's, and it goes back to the fact that he was being Batman and wouldn't trust someone and wouldn't do what he should have done and as much as Stephanie was the one who put this whole plan into play he should have been a better mentor 
Exactly. She should have been a better mentor. Like, you know, taking her through the paces more and not make her prove herself so much as far as make her the person that he needed her to be for being part of this bad family. In a sense, it's it's kind of just in the fact that, yeah, all these people died. They mentioned constantly how you know, hundreds have died, thousands have been injured. And no matter how you want to play it, it comes back to the fact that he was still the one who made this plan. And it's still kind of his fault. I mean, yes, he never expected to make it happen. Well, actually, he might have. I mean, his whole plan was for Orpheus to make it yeah, take over. So yeah. he very well could have done this. And as we talked about in Watchmen with Osmandius, with the ends justify the means... He's kind of the Ozymandias in this thing because this was his plan, his whole idea, and he paid the penalty for it. And like, I kind of like the fact that he had to suffer well, for the consequences. And, and I like that it wasn't some grand master plan that Black Mass set into motion. He stumbled onto this. He's like, oh, do, 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 do. like this He's like, yeah. he's like do, 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 do. oh shit, oh my oh, god, oh, what is this, this is going on. It's I not my ex- birthday. I can exploit them fuck out of this situation. And good for him. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, don't, he... I obviously don't agree with who he is, but, like, good for him for doing it. The only thing I disagree with you on that is <laughs> I kind of am a little annoyed that you finally have a, a a girl as Robin, and they kill her off in five seconds. Like, I felt like that felt more like lip service as like, oh, hey, look, we have a woman Robin. Oh, wait, hmm. she's gone. Whoops. Like, I, I, I felt like there were interesting stories to tell still with her um, and maybe the the battle between her and maybe Tim Drake taking that role back over or, you know, a spoiler becoming part of the family and also her dealing with the repercussions of what she did and potentially her own guilt, you know what I mean, with what ended up, you know, uh, her basically causing the destruction of an entire city. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's still, still something interesting there. I feel like... Um, I just her death I felt like was a cop out from a writing standpoint like I understand you need an unhappy ending you know what I mean and I, I get that but like it, that that's that part of it that just doesn't sit, sit right with me I just don't particularly like the the black mask getting what he wants like I understand that dark side of it and it leads mm-hmm. to some future stuff but that, that just kind of bugged me I don't know maybe I'm alone in that one but no I kind of get that what is interesting to watch this this came out in the mid 2000s 2004 2004 yeah the um, representation, it's been a hot button for Marvel comics. It still is, for everyone. Years. For everyone, <laughs> you have representation. And so this, um, not so much the LGBTQ here, but as you look at the Bat family and everyone going on, I mean, so you have Batman, Nightwing, and Robin as the males, but everyone else involved, and Orpheus. But you've got Tarantula, I mean, that's, you know, you've got this yeah. Latino woman, you have Batgirl. Orpheus is... Yeah, person Onyx. Color person mm-hmm. of color, yeah. Color, Onyx is a person of color. You have um, Bad Girl, that is all in black. Oracle. And, and you have Oracle up in the sky. Uh, if you look, and there's Alfred around, but there's more... If you look at the Bat family, it's more female represented than it is male. And there is quite the swath of the Latino and the black and some of the things going on there. And it's... It also seems to fit naturally. It doesn't. It doesn't have a forced feeling to, at least to me, in watching this. And I think that was pretty good. Is like you have Onyx backing up Orpheus, who's like head of this black. He's like, let's bring in Onyx, and you have Tarantulas. Like these are my people, so I'm here to help my people out. And she was less involved with Batman. Is more of the you need a my people need their respect, and these people are prideful where it's going on. There. I guess for me, the part of the thing is, though, like, you have Batgirl, you have all these, like, characters who feel like add-on characters. Robin is, like, the number two and has his own name. Like, it's Batman and Robin. Having yes. 
having a female Robin is a like as much as I like Batgirl, like, but yeah, that's sure. a that's a bigger step. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. No, absolutely. And she was, and she was Robin for a very brief period. Yeah, of time. and that may, maybe it's just the brief period of time that she was Robin that sticks in my craw. You know what I mean? If she had been Robin for a couple of years, maybe I would have been a little more okay with it. But like the fact that she was Robin for a hot second, like, kind of bugs me. I guess maybe 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 it's just a time timeline issue. And this is just while we're talking about like representation in the Bat family. Uh, two years after this is when we got Batwoman. When Greg who's Rucker, lesbian? Who's lesbian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, fuck DC for cutting out their her wedding scene. Did they? I don't uh, know anything about. So Batwoman was supposed to uh, King. get married to her female partner, mm-hmm. and was supposed to be in the comic. And I believe let me, let me double check before we go too far. No, I recall this. Um, no heroes are supposed to get married because you can't have them happy. Was their like cop out edict? But they Batman's yeah, getting married as we speak. Right. Well, things change. Yeah, we've we've also gotten. <laughs> I think uh, new editorial and people running things. Yeah. So, so yeah. So what happened was it was uh, so the the plan was that woman was going to marry her partner, her mm-hmm. Samson's partner, and DC said no. And because of this, and this is back in 2016, the authors of Batwoman left. They did. They said fuck it, we're out. And that was because of what happened. Mm. Uh, their exact quote was: "In recent months, DC has asked us to alter or completely just." card, many long-standing storylines, and way they feel we, we feel compromised, the character in the series. We told the bitch, ditch plans for this and that, blah, blah. Alter the original ending of our current arc, which would have defined Batwoman's heroic future in bold new ways, and most questionably prohibited from ever showing Kate and Maggie actually getting married. All his editorial decisions came at the last minute, and always after a year or more of planning and plotting our end. So it was like, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this, mm-hmm. everyone knew, and then like last night, like, ah, no. See, and I, I have mixed feelings on this. I would love to have seen Kate get married, don't get me wrong. What's interesting here is, yes, editorial changed it from the plan and all this, and I absolutely agree. But when you're writing for DC or Marvel and everything, everything you're doing is work for hire. And it's sanctioned fan fiction, for lack of a better term. And so as you're writing these characters and everything, you're given, um, one might say, a stewardship for a time being, but you don't own them, and it's just, I mean, it's work for hire. Yeah, no, but like, I so mean, they do have the option to do what they want. I mean, we may not agree, and we can reject. And I agree, the editorial staff probably made a mistake here. But what, what's interesting to watch with the authors, or I see some other things, because there was a um, hullabaloo during uh, Wonder Woman Rebirth. Is Frank Cho was doing alternative or B covers, variant covers, variant covers. and um, part of it is Greg Rucka was writing Wonder Woman again, and he rejected one of Frank Cho's covers because of a little cheesecake showing off some underwear in her outfit. And Frank Nixta, I mean, Greg Nixta, and Frank Quiz, like, oh, you're blocking my freedom of speech. And even Greg Rucka says it's work for hire, and part of it is as I get say, and I said no says you cannot be claiming I'm having a free speech close down is what you're signing up for is work for hire of what the people are paying for you to do. So yeah, but it's hold almost on. like when it's almost when a like a director leaves a Marvel or Star Wars movie over creative differences. Or the Flash movie. Well any kind of franchise that's owned by a big company, the director does not own those characters. Mm-hmm. They, that's right. They may the the company hires them based on their directing style, but the company still wants the story that they want. That's right. Yeah, but like I, I mean, in the defense of the the not, writers not and artists, of, def- yeah, go ahead. yeah, no, but, they but, have their right to leave, which they did, and that spoke very loudly and good for them for what they believe in. 
Well, and I think part of it, though, is is that in that statement that you read was that basically said this comes after months and years of planning. That's the thing uh-huh. that gets really frustrating is when you sit there and That's you put this out there on the plate that- for like a year. And then at the last minute they say that then at that point in time, you have full right to be like, well, fuck you, then I'm leaving. Like at that point in time, right. like and, and it was never I mean, that would be as much of, of a, a, a an issue of like, dude, give us some fucking representation is one issue. The other issue is like, don't be a pain in the ass to work for either. You know what I mean? That's true. So, that's but also true. being a hired gun, I also get really annoyed by shit like that. That's what happens to me. No, I so. hear you. And it's it's a mixed bag is where yeah. it's coming So, and really, Batwoman's one of my favorite characters. Between the J.H. Williams design and the graphic nature of that red and the black and her pale skin, I think it just looks fantastic. And she's an incredibly strong and great. And it's natural feeling. It doesn't feel forced about her characteristics mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like oh here is something's like oh we need representation let's go ahead and graft this onto this character especially with like elegy and you read it it is i do love you <laughs> sorry that was my ringtone for jess <laughs> <laughs> i do love you so uh, i love you too John. yes um and it felt so natural and it's right and i think they did a wonderful job with that but it's interesting but back to this one in the bat family it's um it's more female than it is male, and it is um, there's a little bit of something for many people in there, and I think they were doing a pretty good job because you've got Batman and Robin, which are um, white dudes, and they're definitely overrepresented. So yeah, that's where I was meandering around that. Okay. Uh, well, Mr. Todd, do you have a cocktail for us? I do. I do. Um, mine I'm calling Blood in the Streets because, okay. you know, gang war, people dying. Um, it's a basic- blood, blood in the streets come in the sheets. No, oh, God. <laughs> no. You would you like to that take day. that back? Would you like to take that back? Nope. I stand by what I say. Uh, I no. I don't take these backsies. I own that shit. So this really is a strawberry it. lemonade whiskey sour. Is this drink? Ooh. Okay. You so, said that. Right. So it's um. You take four strawberries. You um. And you put it in a bowl. And you throw in an ounce of lemon juice and an ounce of simple syrup, and you just kind of let it sit there and muddle for about half an hour so you know they mix up. Then you go ahead and blend the shit out of that briefly. Um, so you've got this blended, pulpy strawberries, um, simple syrup, and lemon juice, and then you add three ounces of your bourbon of choice or whiskey of choice. And you just kind of swirl that around. You don't want to shake the shit out of it. Don't do that. Just swirl it around and have it there. Yeah, drink of it. So it's pulpy and mashy with bits of strawberry in there and boozy. Sounds, really, sounds, good. sounds really good. Yeah. So yeah, the blood in the streets. So cool. Um, Mr. Maya, do you have a cocktail for us? I do. Uh, mine's called the Killer Croc. Um, it is one ounce of gin, one ounce of Midori, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, and a third ounce green chartreuse, and one egg white. Uh, put all the alcohol uh, in a shaker, uh, put the egg white in last uh, with ice, and strain into a chilled cocktail glass. Cool. Does anybody have any thoughts before we go into grades then? Don't join gangs, kids. Um, yeah. I will throw one thing in. As okay. much as the very, very first episode of this, I bitched and bitched and bitched about the prologue to war games. Mm-hmm. And I still stand by that. <laughs> 100%, because fuck that shit. It did pay off. It did pay off. So, yeah. How would you have felt of reading, jumping right into war games without war drums? I think I might have been 
slightly confused, but at the same time, I would say let's take Wardrums, show who Orpheus is, explain how we had a female Robin, mm-hmm. and then go from there. But I think the rest of it was extraneous. I, as someone who did that, because when they were coming out in issues, I started with the Batman 12 Cent Adventure that was the prologue to this. I didn't mm-hmm. read anything before it. I was fine. Okay. Yeah. I, I was reading it, and they're like, uh, they're like, oh, she was Robin. And so I was like, oh, she was Robin. And I was reading, and then Orpheus was talking to Batman. I'm like, oh, he has a guy on the inside. Uh, I didn't think it was too hard to pick up then. That's fair. See, and when I first read this, I had, um, not too long after, I had read Hush was really my gateway drug and to start reading comics. And I was like, Hush. oh, Hush. And I'm like, oh, what else is out there? And at Barnes & Noble, I saw these um, war games and war drums things right there. It's like, let's get that. And so this was the... Uh, started reading this. It's, it was my first um, big superhero like gathering arc event type story. Would you call this an event? Yeah, this was an event. And so it was a Bat Family event. So this was the first event I'd actually ever read. And it was also the first like whole Bat Family. So I am introduced and you're seeing Batman not just being his solo guy. Because before that, it was Hush. And then Batman the Animated Series was all the Batman I really knew. And coming into this, so I read the War Drum. So in a lot of ways for me, comics was new and getting used to that and getting used to the different styles and getting through this. So yeah. When when did you pick this up? I would probably say about 2009. Okay. I think. Because I collected a few here and there for a while. So I had first read this around 2009, I bet, is when I did this. And what was interesting, a lot of these covers... Jock was involved, the artist, and I had not um, realized my complete love of Jock at the time as these were coming into play. Adam loves Jocks as well. I have a few. Yeah. Strap as well. The strap, strapping guy. Strap on guy? Yeah. He's an athletic supporter. Really he loves athletics. Strap on, dude. <laughs> so, that's for sure. But yeah, so that's when I first read these. But yeah, let's go into grades. <laughs> Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking bummed. God, please, no! 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 For story, for various writers that I'm not going to read all the names off of, uh, for War Games 1 through 8, or no, so actually for all three acts of War Games and then a couple other extra issues that Maya read and maybe Adam read, I don't know, but Todd and I didn't. Uh, what is your grade, uh, Mr. Adam? So are we leaving out War Drums? <laughs> We're leaving out War Drums. This is only War Games. All right, then I will give it an A-. minus. Uh I I was really hesitant going in because of, of War Drums, but this really paid off in the long run. It is up there with my favorite Batman stories of all time. Uh, there's so much going on. There's so many nuances. And yes, it, it's a very long series. As we said, it's the longest one we've kind of read ever. Uh, but it works. And you get to see Batman fail, which is a it's kind of important for his character because, you know, we, we talked about he's known as the... Uh, the world's greatest detective, this and that, and like he still was blinded by his own hubris because the moment all this happened, he should have seen what was 
Maya's thing. Sorry, I was just gonna jump in real quick because mm-hmm. in in this act he even yeah. says like I should have seen this coming. Yeah. This was my like. Remember we've been saying that the whole time. He finally clicked and was like, "I'm not stupid. I should have seen this." Right, which is where I was going. Like he mm-hmm. like, See, this is my plan. I made this. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, and you you don't often get to see Batman being tricked by himself. And I think in the end it comes down to the fact that he, you know, thinks he's the smartest person alive when he's not. Uh, and this, this again, no matter what happened with Stephanie leaking the plans, this all ended up being his fault. So he's got to kind of take some responsibility for it. So, and story, Mr. Maya, what is your grade? Uh, I'm also going to stay in the A range. Uh, just give it an A. Uh, I forgot how much I enjoyed this book. I haven't read it since it very first came out, and I was mm-hmm. reading it. Um, you know, there are eight eight bat bat family books, and I think they were coming out two a week, like two parts a week. Uh, and I was enthralled then, and then I've read thousands of comics since then, and I've kind of, like, I remember, I remembered, you know, the signposts of the story, but it was fun to read again just to get all the, like, the full story again and, and kind of relive it and go, oh, yeah, I really like this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to give it an A. Cool. Uh, and I'm going to give it probably a B plus. Um, as much as I liked it, I felt like there was a few moments where it was fight, 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 end of issue, fight, 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 end of issue, where I felt like um, there might have been a little more nuance available to put in the, the book than there actually was. Uh, but uh, overall, I liked it a lot. And Mr. Todd, what is your grade? Well, obviously, I recommended this. Um, and I was thrilled it was good as again as it was. Um, I'm going to give it an A. It, for these uh, three acts of war games, I mean, it besides so many different authors and so many different artists going through with this, it felt very cohesive and it moved it, it was a move, it was a quick easy move and it was enthralling and there was a lot of fighting in there and whatnot, but it, it was everything that you would want an event to be as it was going through here and it didn't feel disjointed to me and I think that's really impressive because I've read a few other um events and arcs and even you're looking at the war drums and there's things with war drums that really stuck out is that some of that stephanie brown solo stuff that was a bit harder so i um i love this book again and it um, it holds up it for something that's 14 15 years old at this point it was really usually with these big events mm-hmm. the a lot of times the you know they're they're not super tight sometimes you yeah. know they're they're very loose especially when you have multiple writers they're it's like they're told we kind of want you to do this and then they end up doing a lot of other stuff and barely keeping it tight in this was a really tight story it was mm-hmm. really tight i'd be yeah. really what well, would almost be an interesting exercise what i wouldn't want to do though is just read this on just like the one title what does war games look like with just the batman title and i don't think you else? could like there, there's too much so Marvel is bad about it. So Marvel does a lot of crossovers where you mm-hmm. have like, uh, let's go back to like Fear Itself. We have the whole Fear Itself storyline. You've got the main storyline, which you can kind of get the gist of what's going on, but you don't need to read the extraneous stuff. And to be honest, Marvel has like 30,000 issues for every single big storyline that's yeah. happened. Civil War is another great example. Civil War, yeah, exactly. Civil War, I will argue that it, for the most part, the tie-ins weren't necessary, but they... they a lot of times they'll throw on such and such tie-in and has nothing to do with the event. 
Civil War, they kind of was pretty good about that. Civil War Two can suck. Electric my Bugaloo. Yeah, the electric wiggaloo there. But uh, yeah. I like the first three issues that I kind of just didn't care anymore. Right, That's but with this every, one right like here. Like every Marvel event. <laughs> especially with like the acts I was reading here. If you had asked me, well, what can I cut out that doesn't matter? I'd have a tough time choosing. And see, I would cut out war drums. <laughs> well, like no, the, no, yeah, the war games the, acts yeah. one, two, and three. Um, So the only thing that bugged me about the war games was because it's... A, a story told from all these different comics, like, you know, the different... Right. I really dislike when I'm reading a story, and the art style changes up so much. Like, I can I understand everyone has their own art style, and we do things differently, but it's really jarring sometimes to read, like, one, two issues, or even one issue, and the next one's like, oh, it's now something completely different. You're like, but I'm used to how I'm seeing this, and maybe that's just a thing that people don't, like, change, but at the same time, I was like, that was, like, my one... Actually, that's my only issue with mm-hmm. War Games proper was that I didn't like seeing the art style change so often. I but, wonder if if you were reading it in individual issues, if that would be necessarily as much of a thing. Because like when you're reading in trade, you're continuing on into the next story, and so it feels like it breaks yeah. like traditional. Like whereas if you'd put down one issue and picked up a new issue. Um, you know, of Catwoman, and it's a different art style. But you're reading a book of Catwoman has a similar story. There's art. There's a little bit of a mental break there, and I wonder if, if that would bother you less. That, that probably that probably is a trade issue. I'm uh, a trade yeah. problem, not a trade issue. Um, because because sure. you, 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 it's like binge watching Netflix. Like you can, if they change up a cinematographer or the director, you can kind of sense the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if you're reading like you know once every two weeks or every, you know once a month it probably wouldn't be a problem, but at the same time, this came out in an era when graphic novels and trades were a big thing. So you'd think maybe they would think about that, but maybe that's just me as a... Yeah, but having one poor artist do all these issues, man, that guy would be working on that for years before it ever came out. Yeah, yeah. Or, or having an artist that's been on an issue or on a book for 10 issues and then telling them, we don't want you to draw these next three issues. Sorry, we're going to have someone yeah. else do it to, to make it look the same. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of shitty. Right. Well, it's interesting, but story-wise and everything else, I really dug this book. So, yeah, it was great. Did you give a letter? I don't remember. I gave it an A. Okay. Well, we've already been discussing a little bit, but let's go into uh, grades for art. Uh, Mr. Adam, what is your grade? So, for the art, I'm going to go with a B, just because of my problem. I said because they changing the artist that being said i loved all the different takes again the only one being that weird thing in war drums where they did the whole like teen titans go kind of thing which i didn't <laughs> like and stephanie brown's curse of writing in her journal yeah and that too like fuck that uh that's more the letterer than the art yeah it's, right. uh, it's all the same, the same team. um but no it's uh no it, it's gorgeous it's wonderful it draws you in i really really enjoyed the art from this aside from and again that quibble was just because we're reading it as one graphic novel if like maya said have you read it individually every two or four weeks it wouldn't been a problem but no the art's fantastic uh mr maya what is your grade uh i'm also with a b uh just because uh there was a lot that i liked but there were some there was you know bits and pieces that i didn't uh pretty much for all the reasons adam said so i'm gonna stick with a b mm-hmm. um i'm gonna go with a b plus um i 
liked it uh, okay. Like, I didn't really have the issues. Like, War Drums, I had that. That's I understand that same issue of, like, it jumping. Uh, but for most part, I thought this art it was all really solid. I mean, it was all really well done. There wasn't anything that I, I saw. In it. Well, no, there was one image. I can't remember where it was, but there was one kick of Batman coming through a window. And, like, I'm looking at his leg and his body, and I'm trying to figure out the... Like how fucking flexible Batman is. Like he does a lot of fucking Pilates to be able to pull this thing off. Yeah, um, he does. Uh, I'm sure. I don't remember exactly where it was. I remember it kind of being towards the end. But like his leg is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's when he is jumping through like a wall and kicking Black Mask. Um, it's towards the end of it. But like his with his foot and his leg and then where he's leaning. Like the it just looks weird. Like it just can't fit my head around how the human body is supposed to do that. But outside of that, I really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Todd, what is your grade? You know, I'm going to give it a B, um, BB plus as well. What was interesting goes back again. I mean, with Hush and Jim Lee, the guy can't ship on time, but his art is freaking amazing. And um, this book is extremely solid, and I don't think there's anything to apologize for when it comes to the art. But it's not on that um, absolute top-tier level. So, yeah, that's what I would say. For overall grades for the book, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Adam? Honestly, I'm going to go with A minus. Uh, as much as this, this might be surprised from when we first started this, <laughs> I fully oh, loved and enjoyed this book, and I'm really glad that Todd recommended it because this has become one of my favorite Batman stories I've read. And as I mentioned before, I loved the fact that it showed consequences for Batman being a dick. It also showed that he isn't as smart as he thinks he is it's wonderfully written and even though i i didn't like how the issues were drawn differently they were all still drawn really well and i loved it so i don't know if i go back and want to go read it again soon because it's a lot to go through Mm -hmm. uh but this is one that i wish i could have gone back in time and gone to adam back when he was in california and been like hey by the way start reading this now because you'll enjoy this over the next X amount of time this is going to play out, so I loved it. Mr. Maya? Uh, I'm also at an A-. minus. Um, I can't really gush on it more than I already have. It's It was nice reliving when I was really getting back into comics like 14, 15 years ago. So yeah, A-. minus. I'm going to also go with an A-. minus. Um, I really liked it. I gave it everything a B+, but like I think overall I think it's still a really good read. Mm-hmm. Um, and for being as big and as uh, heavy of a tome as it is, it's actually a really pretty quick read. You go through it pretty fast. And Mr. Todd, what is your grade? Well, I'm going to jump into the circle jerk here, and I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to give it an A- minus as well. I mean, as an event thing going on, it's tight, it's well-connected. And what I really love, and even with the portrayal of all the Bat Family characters, um, none of them are two-dimensional and flat. They all have um, different things going on, and I um, they didn't feel there to be there. So, and they all had um, something to contribute. So, I I read this again, and I continue to love it. So, yeah. It's an A minus. Uh, next week, we will finish off this uh, overall series with War Crimes. They follow up apparently a year after the fact. For this week, does anybody have any recommendations? I do. Okay. Uh, I just got into and I'm about 14, 15 episodes into Dragon Ball Super, uh, which is the, the proper sequel to Dragon Ball Z. And it is just crazy fights and really pretty animation it's if you're a fan of dragon ball z you'll love it uh mr todd i recently read a book on image comics called plastic 
And if you take Lars and the real girl, but make him a serial killer, <laughs> and his girlfriend gets stolen by a Louisiana bigwig in town, and he loses his cool, you have an idea where plastic starts. And that actually sounds really interesting. It is so gross and perverted and violent and awesome and it is so for mature readers so if you made it this far through this podcast this is the book for you guys the art is great <laughs> and yeah you should go it's uh five issues and done so it's uh one trade pick it up it's awesome plastic image comics uh mr adam do you have any recommendations uh yeah so mine is the movie i, rec- I referenced at the beginning of the podcast it's called a quiet place uh it mm. is written and directed by uh, John Krasinski, who we know as Jim from Gothis. Oh, I didn't know mm-hmm. he did that. Yeah, uh, he wrote and directed it. Uh, it takes place with in, his wife. With his wife, Emily Blunt, who and everyone in this is amazing. I love them. Uh, it takes place in the near distant future. I think it's like 2045 or something like that. All I'm going to say is that there was either some kind of alien invasion or something happened where these creatures now roam the earth and they've killed off a bunch of people. And so John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and their family. Uh, and the amazing thing is their oldest daughter is played by uh, Millicent Simmons, who in the movie is deaf and she's a deaf actress. So it's kind of cool to mm-hmm. see representation where we're not pretending. We're actually having people come in uh, where... These monsters uh, track you via sound, so it's kind of like a updated Tremors kind of thing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But they they're doing what they can. They kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. They put sand down. They walk barefoot, and everything they can do to keep anything from being noisy because it will attract these creatures. But the problem is Emily Blunt's pregnant and mm. going to have a kid. And what happens when you have a kid? Noise. You're allowed. The baby's going to be loud no matter what you do. It's a baby. Giving birth is loud. Yeah, that's only the beginning oh, Jesus Christ. of what happens in this movie and I will say this right now this is the best horror movie to come out since Get Out uh, mm-hmm. Get Out okay. and Get Out was even more social commentary over just plain horror this is one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever seen in my life I mean it was great because we saw it at a screening and most time people were being loud or talking behind you or eating snacks the whole fucking audience was so dead quiet you could drop here a pin drop <laughs> because Horror movies like to kind of rely on jump scares, but every single time you heard noise in this movie, you're like, oh fuck, what's gonna <laughs> happen? So the jump scares came from the fact that noise was happening, and uh, all the actors and actresses, they, they use sign language, and it is real sign language, it's not just like, you know, they're faking it, actually, they had people who were showing them how to do it. It is the most nerve wracking, tense, exhilarating movie I've seen in a long time, the best horror movie I've seen in years, and this should cement John Krasinski and crew as not only great directors, but also great writers and go see this, go see it in theaters because you have to have the experience of being around a bunch of people watching this horror play out in front of you. And I won't say how it ends, but uh, it ends very satisfying. And I kind of want to jump up and cheer. Cool. I have a good satisfying ending. I know me too. <laughs> Multiple endings. Uh, yeah, and my recommendation um, is it's coming up. Um, I haven't said anything about it because I signed paperwork saying that I wouldn't, but they're starting to announce things on the press, so I guess it's okay for me to do so as well, even though I'm not that interesting. Um, I went and was an audience member at the celebrity edition of 
American Ninja Warrior. And the episode will probably come out about May 24th or whatever, but I was there to watch the celebrities. So if you want to see me on your television, uh, I'm wearing a red hoodie. Uh, for If they show them in order, for about the first half, I'll be at the end of the floating steps, the first obstacle. If you watch Ninja Warrior, it's always the first obstacle. And then about halfway through, we ended up moving down to uh, the end of the floating bridge, uh, the big circular bridge thing. So I'm about, about the middle of the thing there. Um, I'm sure I'll be on camera, at least in the background. So if you see a guy in a red hoodie sitting next to I think... I don't remember what Christopher was wearing, but my buddy Christopher was sitting there with me as well. Uh, but we're sitting there in the audience and we're watching celebrities uh, eat it uh, on the course, and not nearly as many celebrities ate it as I was hoping. Really, um, but, that's uh, too bad. It really—I was a little disappointed by it, actually. I will say that one celebrity, after they got wet, was walking by us without a shirt on, and I leaned over to my buddy Christopher and I said, "That's for you. That's why I brought you." And uh, he was very thankful. <laughs> and he got to see a celebrity shirtless in person. Um, so, anyway, so yeah, so uh, it's a. Uh, benefit for red nose day i believe it's like may 23rd 24th whatever the red nose day special is coming up that'll be there but i'm in the audience and i had a good time going and filming it and i'm kind of hoping i get to go do another taping next year because it was really fun and my mom was already like if you get tickets to the taping next year i'm coming out i was like okay so i might have a whole little bit of a crew to go out with me so if you guys on the show want to go with me as well let me know you can fly out to california when i get tickets to go see i know right They're they're filming Robot Wars right now in Long Beach, and I'm really tempted to go out and check that out. Do it. I'm trying to figure out. I'm, I'm except for the fact that it's during the day, and I'm kind of working overnights right now, so it's like right when I'm, it's in the middle of the night for me, even though it's like Sleep two o'clock in the afternoon for normal people. Be a wet. I'm feeling that way. <laughs> so. Found a couple of five hour energies, you'll be fine. That's right. No, I, I I've I've made the mistake of taking too many five-hour energies and i thought i was gonna die tell um, you how I, I um killed myself on rockstar for about five years did you ever hear this one brian no oh so when i was up in logan back in the day i had a weekend grave job so at friday night at midnight i started a job for working 12 hours then i would have it off and then sunday i would do the same thing again but i was in I had a bunch of roommates so i never slept friday night so I was awake Friday, went to work Friday night, got off. Tool was playing in concert at the David O. McKay Center in Provo. Oh, I went to that show with you. You did. Yeah, I went to that show. I went to that show and then drove back up to do another 12-hour shift Saturday right, yeah. night. So I had this 64-ounce um, 7-Eleven thermos. Yeah. And I bought enough rock stars to fill it completely full with 64 ounces. <laughs> this is also back in the day when you could just buy ephedrine, by the way. <laughs> I nursed this all through that shift, but I left like half an inch at the end of that shift and I threw it on my kitchen counter and I ignored it till next Friday and it reeked of rock star. I uh, put Dr. Pepper in, it was rock star. Mountain Dew, it was rock star. <laughs> no matter what I put in, it smelled and it tasted of rock star. And it was just so awful. I was like, I, I, I can't do Rockstar anymore. So I was off. Um, so that main classic Rockstar flavor, can't do it. Still to this day, can't do it. I could do the lemonade Rockstar for a while, but I'm, I'm off caffeine entirely right now. Wow. Uh, I know. I have been for you're several my, weeks, actually. You're my hero. I'm on a lot of caffeine every day. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be healthier. Sometimes I'm better at it than others, but, uh, you know, I'm trying nice but uh anyway so yeah so that's uh, my recommendation so uh anybody else got anything else they want to yeah i actually just saw a cool piece of news as we we're chatting here in december saudi arabia lifted the public ban that they had on movie theater 
theaters that's been in place since 1983. Oh wow! The first movie that they're going to show when when they're the movie theater, uh, this big AMC movie theater opens. Oh, up I heard this news. I know exactly. Yeah. Black Panther. What condom yep. nuts is this? And then mine. <laughs> and then after Black Panther, Infinity War. So the first two movies that'll be shown in Saudi Arabia since 1983 in a movie theater will be Marvel films. All right. The more you know. The more you know. Dun, dun, dun. Little Rambo. Cool. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. So once again, next week we will be finishing off this bat story with uh, war crimes. Much we'll find out what happens after the fact. Much smaller read. Uh, it's like what, much smaller four, read. Like, only four issues. So uh, that'll be awesome. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so that's uh, that's all I got. So uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see y'all next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to funnybooksandfirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.